Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hello again, First Gen Nation. We are officially one month into the new year, all the way into February of 2021 already. Hard to believe. How are you doing on those New Year's resolutions? Hopefully a little bit better than I am. This episode, speaking of New Year's resolutions, could provide a few more to add to each of our lists because we're going to talk all about how to better foster a hunting community. And there's no one better to talk about that with than the man who has, with with, and he he'd be the first one to say this, with the help of his co-founders, literally created an outlet for hunters, anglers, just general outdoors people, people who like to hike, people who like to backpack, people like me who like to look for sheds. He and his team have created a social media platform known as Go Wild, a true community of a very rapidly growing community of outdoors people who can come together and can ask questions, can share trophies, offer up recipes, on and on and on it goes. And it is an awesome place to be. And it is truly a positive, very positive part of the hunting community. So we're going to learn all about that. We're also going to hear from Brad about how the hunting community needs to change going forward. Brandon and I have mentioned it several times. We've picked up a lot of new hunters this past year, uh, as crazy as it was. But if we're going to keep these people around, we got to make them feel welcome, and that's on us. And so Brad is going to talk with us about that. He's also going to share some really delicious-sounding wild game recipes. And uh, I better not give away the rest of the show. There's so many good things that we talk about in this one. One of the most fun episodes we've had yet. And I think you'll agree with that too. So without any further ado, ease back on into your driver's seat there. Keep your hands at 10 and 2. It's the time of year we got ice on the roads. Well, you know what? We, we, I think we do have quite a few listeners from down south. They probably laugh at us when we talk about ice on the roads as they enjoy their, you know, late... Uh, rut and uh, everything else. I got a, I got a buddy from college who actually uh, just shot a buck. I think I think the rut is going on in Alabama right now. That's even later than I realized. And he just uh, shot his first deer. It's pretty cool. Really happy for him, and uh, hopefully he uh, gets plenty of enjoyment out of that. But without any further ado, let's go ahead and get on to episode 40 of the First Gen Hunter podcast, all about building a hunting community with Mr. Brad Luttrell of Go Wild. Well, it finally happened, Brandon. My uh, late nights of editing, my, you know, busy work schedule right now, my crazy mm, work mm-hmm. schedule right now. Just we've had a snow day which then made for a day of remote learning and uh you know, just kind of been here there everywhere for mm-hmm. for this week. I was a little scatterbrained and it finally happened. Mm. I made an editing mistake and released it 
in the final product. <laughs> and so to all of our faithful first gen hunter listeners that downloaded that episode as soon as it came rolling off the press my apologies at around 18 minutes Dang. you may have swerved off the road trying to look at your phone to see what was wrong with the podcast <laughs> because there was about 15 i don't know maybe 20 25 seconds felt like about 25 lifetimes to me when i was listening it listening to it <laughs> of uh dead silence i messed up somehow i was probably like not enough when i told my wife about it she's like well yeah that's probably why you stay up so late editing that stuff so <laughs> right and you guys all know i am the the narcoleptic who uh you know jake makes fun of for falling asleep so quickly but yeah so it finally happened but don't worry i'm gonna try try and get it fixed hopefully by the time this one releases it will have been fixed and you can go back to number episode number 39 if you didn't know of the mistake you won't be able to find it hopefully hopefully i'll Mm -hmm. uh, i'll get it all taken care of but i also made another kind of like you know I don't know what what's the term here, like a, a face palm moment or a a uh, you know just a oh what if I you know what what are you doing man? I referred to a fifty cal Desert Eagle or Desert mm-hmm. Eagle fifty cal, however you want to say it, pistol as a golden eagle, and uh, <laughs> I, here's why I think I think this is why I've done it because I was fortunate enough. Uh, uh, to be able to to shoot one of those one time, uh, and it was really cool and rather intimidating. Um, but I I see them I've seen them at gun shows from time to time. You'll see this big you know like leopard print desert eagle or you know it's probably meant for like a movie set or something. But I'm pretty sure I've seen like a uh, gold uh, uh, desert eagle before. So I think I had that image in my head. That is not the kind that I shot. Mine was the one I shot was like a stainless steel or something. But it was uh, it was a cool experience. But it was not a golden eagle. It was a it was a desert eagle. It was really cool. <laughs> so we made some mistakes i know hey, my, apo- okay. my apologies and uh uh i'm sure you know there will be more along there probably has been others along the way i just haven't picked up on but i'll try and make it right and hopefully uh, we get this episode edited up all clean and, and nice as well but man what a good time brandon yeah oh man uh, you know always good to hear fresh perspectives and people that are you know uh, pioneering uh just new roads, you know, into the outdoor community and, uh, you know, exciting to see growth in that area. That's what we're all about and want to see other people join the ranks and enjoy mentorship, enjoy learning, enjoy being positive along the way. So, I mean, this is, this is all about that stuff. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I, I think that's, that's, uh, exactly what we need to look at with this. Uh, this is Brad, uh, just, uh, he comes at it with such a fresh perspective and mm-hmm. one that truly I think is going to make not just hunting better in the long run. I think it's going to make all outdoor activities better in the long run because we can get yeah. so exclusive, you know. We can yeah. we can say, "Oh, this is what the hunting tribe looks like. This is what the backpacking tribe looks like. This is what the fishing tribe looks like." And mm-hmm. and you know, that works to an extent, but it doesn't bring everybody in that it could. And it doesn't right. it doesn't leave the positive uh taste in everybody's mouth that it 
that it could you know and of course uh, not everyone's gonna gonna want to stick with something after they try it and that's totally fine but we sure. certainly don't want to drive people away just because um you know we don't see people doing exactly what uh we we want them to and actually yeah. i didn't mention this in the interview that everyone's about to hear but i had a little bit of this uh myself and um it didn't really bother me that much because uh you know it's it, it kind of goes with the territory when you decide you're going to run a podcast and a you know a couple social media pages and write articles and stuff like that you're going to get some negative uh-huh. feedback from time to time it's just part of part of the way it is and so you gotta have you kind of have to grow a thick hide uh yeah. if you're if you're gonna do that but speaking of hide um hmm. <laughs> so that that incredible deer antler story that uh yes. i told about in our last episode um i posted that on a really popular uh um shed hunting page you know i was all excited about it it's a really cool thing and and a good chance to maybe introduce first gen hunter to a few people who may not have heard of us before sure and yeah overwhelmingly so i was happy that that there was a lot of people like wow that's cool that's awesome but instantly yeah. you know it, it took maybe five minutes and somebody was on there telling me how i had it all wrong and this is what really <laughs> happened and and uh yeah there's that there's no way that deer shed right before he died and that he actually had died and the coyotes knocked his antlers off because they've seen it a million times and and uh mm. it's like all right yeah whatever maybe that did happen i don't know i don't think it did because I was there and I saw all these other con- contextual clues that made me right. think yeah. what I thought. And, and then later on, some guys like, so I took, if you look at the picture that I posted, I, uh, you can see like where the hide on this deer got pulled off by the, by, yeah. you know, predators chewing on it after it's mm-hmm. dead and, uh, they didn't eat it. And I've never come across that. And, and, and I've done, quite a bit of shed hunting through the years and uh i find all kinds of dead deer all the time and i've mm-hmm. i've never really come across like a, a a whole bunch of hide like that but then again you know it could be just because by the time i find it in march or april it's already you know had enough warm days to where it started to rot a little bit or something or, yeah. or you know get a little sun baked and so you just don't see it because it blends in with the ground more and this was laying on top of the snow and it was a fresh pile of hide but this one guy gets on there and he's like uh there's no way that somebody didn't skin that hide off of that deer hide oh. don't hides don't just come off of a deer like that and uh <laughs> It's like, man, there's so many other things about this that that uh that you can't see that would would uh make it impossible for somebody to be able to get away with doing that just because it's like right next to my buddy's house where this thing happened, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. not that I care about what all that has and I don't want to sound like I'm whining about this. I'm saying all this because it illustrates exactly what we're going to spend some time talking about 
with Brad in this episode, and that is sometimes the hunting community can be a little hard on each other. We can go mm-hmm. after each other, mm-hmm. and we're not talking like goofing around and poking yeah. a little bit of fun like Cole did with with uh, Ohio in one of the last episodes, you know, and, and he was quick to say, I, I don't mean to, you know, pick on them. I, I just like yeah. give them a hard time. I got a couple of buddies that hunt out there or whatever. That's different. We're talking like outright shaming, putting down, and, and really what, yeah. what, what those guys were saying to me on there was so mild compared to what mm. a lot of people have had to endure at the hands of other hunters. And what happens yeah. when we do that is it just turns people off to such a, such a uh, fun thing that should be enjoyed. And Brad just really brings up a lot of great points in this episode about how we need to change as we move mm-hmm. forward with uh with being ambassadors for this you know great activity and and uh something that we try to share because we want other people to find that enjoyment that we have been able to find ourselves so i think uh i think people are going to find this to be kind of refreshing don't you think brandon i i totally agree and I, you know i found it refreshing as a lifelong hunter to hear a different perspective and one thing you know that I think is, is great, you know, and, and one thing that, that Brad talks about is, you know, about being, you know, an, an average hunter and, and appealing to average hunters. And, you know, I think we all, you know, we all, for those of us who've hunted a long time, it's easy to, to believe like, man, you know, I want to be a, you know, I want to be an exceptional hunter. I want to be an above average hunter. And, and that's great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having those desires and wanting to be better and all that type of good stuff. But, um, sometimes in many facets of life, as we become better at something, you know, one thing that increases at the same time is pride. And, um, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times when that happens, you know, it changes our perspective on how we handle other people. And it's easy to forget where we've come from. And what's very interesting is many in many cases, um, those people who are very prideful, they're not any better of a hunter than the next average Joe. You know what I mean? They've maybe they've had a little bit of success, but, you know, it's not it's not usually because it's anything other than what's in their head, you know, and uh, and, you know, trying to refine expectation and and what it means to really be successful is a lot of what we talk about um, during this episode. And so I think it's refreshing and and to be able to be proud of, of the time that you spend in the outdoors, to be proud of the adventure that you have, whether you get something or not, those things are what's really important. You know, it's not important to clog your feet up with, you know, making people think that you're a great outdoorsman. You know, what's, what's more important is that you are in the moment and enjoying the time that you have. And so, um, hopefully that's what, you know, a lot of our listeners pull out of this and, you know, can be encouraged, um, to just go out and enjoy the adventure. You know, don't, don't feel the need to be judged or, you know, to be worried. You know, we've, we talked about, you know, one of the, some of the things, you know, that even comes up in this episode, well, this isn't my biggest or, you know, I <laughs> wish I could have got something else or, you know, be, be proud, be happy, be yeah. thankful you know and and uh you know and so much of what we talk about in in this episode is the positivity behind things and um the community that we all want you know the only way to have a great community uh, is to take individual responsibility to be a great community member and yeah. uh you know it it rests on all of us to take that responsibility seriously so i think that we we make great strides towards talking about that and and for reinforcing that as we go through this episode 
Man, Brandon, you did it again. You said it perfectly. You <laughs> summed it right up with your sagely 30-year veteran uh, uh, wisdom there, man. That was, <laughs> well, that, was you, that was well said. And I think it's, you know, I think it's huge still that, that um, we learn from experienced hunters like Brandon, people who do have that longstanding heritage in hunting. Uh, I, th- I think that's, like Brad will say in this episode, that word heritage, you know, mm-hmm. how we use it is really interesting. And mm-hmm. and really, you know, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't resonate with a lot of new hunters, which is, yeah. I think, an important thing to realize, you know. And yes. look, at, look at my hunting heritage, you know, it's it's pretty much non-existent right and and um yet it's my favorite thing to do so yeah and here you are uh, influencing first-hand hunters and and even seasoned hunters and making a positive difference so i mean sometimes it's those fresh perspectives um that people need to hear and so that's that's pretty awesome yeah yeah i hope so i hope so yeah so i think uh everyone listening to this one whether you have been hunting for a very long time or maybe mm-hmm. you're just wrapping up your first season Maybe you haven't even filled a tag yet. I think you're going to find this one to be refreshing. Um, yeah. Make sure you, uh, uh, if you're if you're looking for a good community to get plugged into, we're going to talk about Go Wild in this episode. Mm-hmm. That is a, a fantastic place to start. There's a lot of places you can ask questions on there and, and get that information you need. And, of course, find what you can at firstgenhunter.com and uh, over at thehuntfishlife.com as well. There's a couple of, there's a good community there for you to be a part mm-hmm. of as well. And we'll always try to do our best to, to help everyone become better and have more fun uh, when they're out hunting. So without uh, any further delay here from Brandon and me just yammering on, we're going to go ahead and turn you over to the interview with Mr. Brad Luttrell from Go Wild. All right, First Geners, listen up for a minute. New year, new opportunities, right? Should be. I'm speaking to myself here as well. Hunting is filled with many great traditions that we can enjoy year in and year out, but sometimes it's good to branch out. One of those ways to branch out is through trying something new. And by that, I mean it's good to look at hunting somewhere new. The interviews on out-of-state tag applications with our friend Alex Gruen of East to West Hunts have been quite popular, which tells me that people are looking hard at hunting some new country. Well, just to give you that little extra nudge to start making plans to complete your dream hunt, Alex is offering a 10% discount off of his tag application and hunt planning services for first gen hunter podcast listeners all you got to do is head to his website alexgruen.com choose the service you need and check out with the promo code first gen 10 all one word capital f i r s t capital g e n the number 10 and again you can find alex and order his services at alexgruen.com a l e x g r u i n dot com, and don't forget to use the promo code FirstGen10 at checkout to save ten percent and to get going on that bucket list hunt you've been dreaming of. 
Brandon, are you a movie crier? Oh, man. Um, you know, <laughs> when you're talking about, you know, the old yellers and uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> talking about thing, things like that. Oh, man. Uh, where the Red Fern Grows. Oh, man. Uh, uh, some of those some of those old time movies. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say so. I'm not I'm not an overly emotional person like that. But, you know, you give me one of those old timers. I, I, I definitely it, 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 probably what me watching it by myself, you know, make sure I'm, you know, just uh, rub my eyes out in the right way if my wife walks in. So yeah, but, but, it, it'll get me if it's if it's the right time. Yep, someone's <laughs> cutting some onions. My eyes are a little sweaty. Whatever you got to say, yep. right? Yep, that's right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm not much of a movie crier. I have definitely shed a tear once or twice along the way, you know. Uh, but I've had far more near cries, mm. and probably the one that got me the worst. And this was like, I think the first time I almost like, like I was fighting tooth and nail not to cry. Mm -hmm. Lump in the throat. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Toy Story 3, man. Mm. Toy Story 3. That'll get you. That'll get you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and and it seems so ridiculous because, uh, uh, you know, it's this little kid's movie or whatever. But I was sitting there and I was was like squeezing the arms of the chair, you know, trying not to look at anybody. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I I let, you you know, I walk away from the movie and I'm just like feeling, you know, embarrassed, man. I was like, dude, you're crying over a kid's animated movie. What is your problem? Well, then it started to come up in conversation a little bit with some other people that had seen the movie. And, uh, we all kind of realized that, Hey, all of us either cried or almost cried. Mm -hmm. And then shortly thereafter, I heard there was like, this this was like some kind of widespread global phenomenon. There were grown men crying all over the world after watching Toy Story 3. And Mm -hmm. it it ended up being some kind of, I don't know if somebody, you know, we do psychoanalysis on everything, right, anymore? Mm -hmm. But but somebody, somebody dug into this and they found out that good old Toy Story 3 specifically toyed see what i did there toyed with the emotions of grown men because Mm. all people appreciate a sense of community but specifically a lot of men they just have this deep strong communication to this or communication connection to the sense Mm -hmm. of community and so It really, it really got to people and, and really uh, uh, made them cry. And, and, you know, the more people I talk to and ask that through the years, I find out, yeah, man, Toy Story 3 got me too. But yeah. uh, it's, it, was, it was pretty interesting. And it was pretty telling about how we, I don't know, how we tick as people. And uh, here's, here's our segue here. When it comes to hunting, I think one of the parts people are looking for when they want to get into hunting or you know, not just hunting, you know, anything in the outdoors. They want to get into that community. You know, they see oh, yeah. that they see that tight bond. They see the Norman Rockwell mm-hmm. time frame pictures of deer camp or or yep. whatever. They got you know the East Coast hunting clubs like you have up there in Delaware. Whatever mm-hmm. the reason is, they see yep. that community and they want to be a part of it. And I think that's something we need to talk about as as a podcast meant for first gen hunters meant for the people who are who are uh, hoping to get into this hunting world and and find their place a little bit and so 
when considering that, I could think of no one better to uh, interview on this very subject than a guy who has, in a sense, built a huge section of this, like like a big addition to the hunting community, a, a place that really brings people in from all sorts of outdoor activities kind of in together kind of funnels them in together a little bit into one place and that is mr brad luttrell of go wild a an incredible social media platform designed for outdoorsmen brad you're a super busy man but we really thank you for taking some time to join the first gen hunter community this evening and speak with us yeah you bet um i might give you a little bit of a head trip here back uh so one of my favorite books is Creativity Inc., which is written by Ed Catmull, the founder of Pixar. Yeah, yeah. And uh, much of Go Wild's culture is built on, you know, this idea of taking risk and uh, sense of community. <laughs> nice. That's, <laughs> so, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I and I just also want to say I cried at Toy Story Three. So. Hey, <laughs> hey, that you are among friends here, man. That that uh, <laughs> you can you can fess up on that any day around me because it makes it's me feel better. That nostalgia, man. At the end, all those, oh, all those yeah. you know, you oh, know, yeah. uh, they they did it again with the movie Soul. I was just watching that one with my, yes. my daughter. And uh, I may have cried twice at that one, or at least, as you said, just teared up. I won't tell anybody if tears rolled. Um, that's right. But dude, that's right. They're, they're master storytellers. They, mm-hmm. they have a process yeah. for, you know, all these movies in their own words start off as crap, but they have a community in, in Pixar mm-hmm. that really brings out uh, the best in, in the story and in, in their team. So I very much appreciate it. That's the first time I've ever been introduced with a, a Toy Story analogy. And uh, <laughs> I I think you hit it on the head. I, I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's something that you, it was it was a phenomenon that really caught me off guard. I think it caught most people off guard. And it it's one of those things. I think it's kind of remained an elephant in the room, you know, because the more you talk about it with people, the more people are like, yeah, that happened to me too. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it, it, it was, it was interesting. And, and yeah, it did show me just how powerful, you know, somebody who knows how to craft a good story, how powerful mm-hmm. that story could be. If you uh, mm-hmm. do your research uh, and, and really give up part of yourself into the story too. I think that that's what Pixar always does and why they're, they, they do so well. But I have just, just a little background here for the, the listeners. I've been following Brad for a few years now. I actually uh, came across Go Wild in 2018. I was listening to uh, another hunting podcast done by fellow Iowan Dan Johnson, the Nine Finger Chronicle podcast, and he was running an ad for Go Wild, and I remember specifically where I was when I heard that ad, and I was like, when I get home from work, I'm looking this up, because this sounds really interesting, and I was I was uh, heading to the last, place, the last school I was working at, and I had a long drive, it was about 40 minutes every day one way, so I got a lot of podcasts listening in, and uh, um I remember going home and checking out and like, man, this is really cool. And uh, we'll talk a little bit, actually quite a bit about uh, just the feel of that community that exists on that platform and, and how important I think that is for the future of hunting, especially right now with how social media is, I mean, it's just a huge part of our overall culture. But 
Mm-hmm. I can't get ahead of myself here, but but yeah, I came across Brad and uh, through Go Wild, and then um, I I finally you know I was I was like the last person to the party on uh, LinkedIn. I finally got a LinkedIn account, and um, uh, through that I uh, started following Brad on there, and I've really enjoyed seeing your posts that you do on there, and and it's really. Uh, I think really cool to see how people kind of flock to what you have to say on there and uh, just some, it could be a really cool article you share or uh, you know, a profound thought that you share or, or what's going on with your, your business ventures and, and that. And, and uh, I think that's really encouraging. And through that, I've, I've kind of feel like I've gotten to know you a little bit in the sense of, I, I know that you're a super hardworking dude. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no question about that. And, and, uh, you've, you know, had to kind of go the bloody knuckles route a little bit to, to build this, uh, really cool product this this powerful product, which is go wild. And, um, and, and I've also seen that, you talk you don't just talk the talk you walk the walk you're an outdoorsman man uh i remember uh, about this time last year i was uh feeling a little jealous of you because i couldn't find a shed yet and uh you posted about the, <laughs> that deer you're yeah. like oh yeah i went out what were you doing were you like on a hike or you're running or no, something i was turkey i think i was scouting for turkeys and it was a late season shed too uh because it, it was probably in like february Mm-hmm. But they're still holding antlers right now in Kentucky. Um, my my one of our employees was driving. We we're on a sales call, and all of a sudden he goes, Gah! "I was like, did Jacob die?" Like, <laughs> you know, and he's like, "I just passed the biggest buck I've ever seen in Kentucky." It oh had to be man, points. Oh, <laughs> that's man. awesome. Well, at least you know he's there for next year, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I remember you posting that and I'm like, man, I have not found any sheds yet this year. I've been out so many times and here's Brad. He, he just went out Turkey scouting. Oh, dude, for I'm turkey not hunting. a shed hunter. No, I don't, I don't find many. Uh, I look for them, but I never, I, ne- I never look into them. And that one was just sitting out in the middle of a field ready for the taking. No, that's <laughs> that, that, that was, uh, it, it made me jealous. I'll tell you that much, <laughs> but, uh, no, he's a guy who, uh, as you can hear right now, even scouting for turkey hunting, he, he spends time outside and, uh, you know, that might seem like kind of a no brainer for listeners to hear that, that, you know, I give you praise for that. But honestly, I think there's a lot of people that go into industries like this who do just talk the talk. You know what I mean? They they aren't out there living what they're selling. And um, I think it's important that you do that. And uh, just from uh, seeing other members of your, your team on Go Wild and seeing their profiles, it's true of them too. And I think that's, I think that's probably why. Well, I think there's lots of reasons why, but I think that's probably the foundational reason why people are drawn to go wild is because they do sense that level of, of, uh, of genuine, uh, you know, belief in what you're doing. So I think that's, that's really cool, but that's why we have Brad on tonight. That's a little bit about, uh, how I know him, but I kind of want to go to something that's, uh, much deeper here on who Brad Luttrell is. And I want to get like a, a actual, like profile a a uh i don't know maybe tell us a little bit about your outdoorsman roots you know where you grew up how you got into the outdoors that kind of thing sure um i I back up just a second it's kind of funny man people people think that i'm some they they download the platform and they're like man some great hunter must have created this but my thing is i don't think it would exist if i was some great hunter because sure so many people 
go through um, the the questions I was trying to solve back in 2016. And I I, I mean I'm probably intermediate level skill skill on like whitetail now. Um, but but then I sucked. I sucked at whitetail, dude. I could not figure it out. Uh, they're very, you know, <laughs> anti hunters think you just they think you go out and sit in a tree and and mm-hmm. shoot a deer with some beer yeah. cans and it's not that easy. <laughs> yeah. uh, mm-hmm. And I was trying to learn and I was looking online and getting really frustrated. I kept ending up on old forums. I kept you know I was mm-hmm. I would all of a sudden read about deer in Texas and I'm like, well, I don't have cacti like that. Is, <laughs> yeah. That's totally irrelevant. You know. It's, yep. Um, and I couldn't find local information and that's what led to the epiphany, which it's not like, I don't claim to have invented the idea. Somebody, I was on a podcast earlier today and somebody said, how has no one ever thought of this? And I I didn't have time on that show to say they did. There was 40 plus apps. You know, I've, I've had 40 apps on my phone. Literally I counted them at one point and, uh, outdoor apps and probably half of them were social apps and they're all defunct now. And (laughs) the biggest thing that I think a lot of them missed was the realization that most people are like me and you guys, you know, they're, yeah. they're not sheep hunters. They're not going out and spending 25 grand on a bear hunt. They're yeah. not traveling the world. They're not getting an elk every season. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. actually only 10% of people are successful at elk hunting. Um, most people suck. They're in that suck with us. You know, they, they, <laughs> they, they, they even if they are skilled, uh, from like, I'm, I would say I know more about turkey hunting than your average person, but mm-hmm. it's not like I go out and just slam dunk, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Right. Like right, I had a guy yeah. on my, coming up on one of my podcasts. He's, he's killed 300 plus turkeys himself. He's guided Oof. 300 plus wow. turkeys him, himself. Wow. This dude knows more about turkey calling than probably most people you'll ever meet. Right. But like yeah. most people aren't at that level. And I think mm-hmm. the thing that we got right on go wild was really thinking of the average person's needs. Like the whole platform is built from that. So yeah. um, I, we'll get into that more in a bit. But I mean, really, to, if I go back to like how I grew up, I, I yeah, I, I shot my first gun at six years old, 38 special mm-hmm. with my grandfather, my oh, ears rang cool. for a week, right? <laughs> um, standing next to a chicken coop. Like mm-hmm. I grew up in Appalachia, coal country, um, playing outside. My, my grandfather was a mechanic. We're playing on junk cars. And um, I, I grew up, riding four-wheelers i've crashed a four-wheeler into anything you can think of (laughs) um you know go-karts motorcycles Mm. um side by sides i did all that i fished a lot i'm still not good at fishing i'm worse at fishing than i was at hunting when i was trying to get better at hunting (laughs) um and and i i say it's funny because literally one of my business partners fishes the flw as a pro wow Uh, jacob here who uh is our sales director is is extremely good at bass fishing and fly fishing and i still suck so um <laughs> it's uh it's funny man I, I haven't put a whole lot of effort into it so i always make fun of myself but i will i will disclose like my passions in hunting that's where i really focused mm-hmm. at getting better right. but you know i didn't grow up big game hunting man i um i grew up squirrel hunting probably went squirrel hunting for the first time with my dad when i was uh probably 12 and you know i did i i hunted some growing up but it was not this this keystone for me um, my uncles hunted i was around that hunting culture a lot and I really, um, I, I went to college and after college you get, you know, you get this longing for home. You know, I've been gone, sure. I moved out, I've been gone for four years and I, I ended up moving to Memphis after I went to the university of Kentucky. And, uh, when I would come home, my, me and my sister would go squirrel hunting and nice. it was, it was Thanksgiving. You know, we, we kind of had this for a long time, this, um, an, annual tradition of Thanksgiving week when I would be home, um, we, we would go squirrel hunting and, yeah. uh, that really brought us together. And in fact, she was probably the second person I told about the idea for go wild on a squirrel hunt. 
um, you know, that's cool. When we were walking around down there and, and a lot of that, um, so, so I had this small game background, but the, the deer, I had started hunting whitetail with the guy and I thought I was getting better, but really I was just hanging out with a good whitetail hunter, right? Like sure. good whitetail hunters can, can put you on a good spot because they knew the sign. They've, they've done the yep. scouting. They understand the wind. There's all these things that they take into account and they stick mm-hmm. you in a tree and you see a deer walk by and you, you shoot it with a 30, 30, right? Like that's right. what happened. Yep. Um, yeah. And then I started trying to do it on my own on public land and even some private land back home. And, uh, I got my butt kicked for like yeah. uh, probably two or three years in a row. Mm-hmm. And, and I, the, the year before, I think it was 2015, I put in more effort ever than I had to whitetail hunting to try to get a deer. And I still got skunked and I'm like, I, I got to get better at this or, or quit. Like, it's just, I'm putting so much time into this. Yeah. And, and I finally, um, 2016, the year we, we found a go wild. Um, I actually got my first eight point on my own. Um, super proud of that deer. And oh, that's it was kind awesome, of like man. That, that whole fall was crazy. You know, we're founding this company in my basement over pizzas and, um, you know, on nights and weekends and, um, you know, finally had like my first little bit of success with that deer. But a lot of it, man, was just the like growing up and trying to become something that I felt close to because I grew up in Appalachia. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean right. my, my, my grandfather's hunted for food. They didn't hunt just for passion or for uh, anything other than than getting food on the table. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I, I felt um, really like at peace, at, like at, it sounds so cliche, but like I felt right when i was hunting it feels natural it feels mm-hmm. you know i i wrote a big piece on on this uh for the bitter southerner a, a few years ago and, and just talk about how there's something about hunting and and when there's no noise there's nothing going on there's no modernity right like you don't have any modernity in your life there literally it's the same as my great grandfathers would have done it, it mm-hmm. i got a cell phone pocket but back home the fun thing is you, you does it's useless it's like a paper yeah yeah but so so you know a lot of yeah there's there's compound bows and there's, there's all these uh you know crossbows now there's there's all these advancements but in a lot of ways it's very much the same like those that woods looks the same that deer looks at a human the same and yeah. I feel very connected to that, uh, even though I didn't necessarily have that strong whitetail upbringing. Whitetail's my passion. I love whitetails. Uh, I love turkey hunting, too. Um, I love several squirrels, doves. Um, mm-hmm. But but really, like, being in Kentucky, whitetail's my game, and that's what I love. And, and you know, that, that was ver- very much, like, what I chased to found the platform. But growing up, it wasn't that. You know, it was pond fishing. It was off-roading. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, growing up camping and loved hiking and camping. My wife and I did that a lot through college too. And, um, I, I sure. still love the idea of camping. I haven't, I have not been camping since I had kids. I'll admit that. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole new element, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. My son is yes. finally to the age where I think I could tolerate, um, getting him out. And like, I think we're going to try it this year and see how it goes. But, uh, nice. yeah, man, that's yeah, a little awesome. bit of what I grew up in the Cumberland Gap area. So, um, you know, kind of mentioned you guys before the show, it's Daniel Boone country, um, mm-hmm. hour, hour from the interstates where I grew up in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, but I was born in Harlan, Kentucky, two hours from the interstate. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty well remote. It's about as remote as you can get in, uh, the Eastern part of the country right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. I think that's so cool. And then to see, uh, see what you're doing now and, and, uh, you know, just it, it's, it's proof that the American dream still, still can exist for people. You know, you gotta go, you gotta go get it. And, and, uh, kind of like getting better at hunting, you know, 
you got to put in that time. You got to talk to the right people. You got to, you got to, uh, not give up when it feels like it's just a waste of time. (laughs) Yeah, man, it's funny. That whole American dream concept is is funny. I I think about this sometime and I heard, I heard Steve Ranella, um, let's say this on a podcast years ago. And he talked about this guy who was a guide and, um, this businessman comes down and he sees how good this guy's at fishing. And he says, uh, and this guy loved guiding. He loved fishing and loved, loved the time with his family that it afforded him. Mm-hmm. And, and this guy says, you could really scale this up. You could, you could hire other guides and you could make more money. And he says, and what then? He says, well, then you could buy more boats. And he says, mm-hmm. what then? And, and he says, you, you could have more people and make more money and you could scale this into a business that's got people coming from all around the world to fish with you. And he says, and what then? He says, and then you could retire and do whatever you want. And he says, I like fishing. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Already, <laughs> already doing what he likes. And yeah, I think exactly. a lot of people do like, you know, yeah, we work for an outdoor tech company. People think like there is a lot of cool. I love working here, but I also like to remind people like you don't need to do what I do to, to to do there's things that people that are on go wild and they have nine to fives or they work really long hours but and they'll do like a three three in a row shift or something firemen or whatever and sometimes mm-hmm. i'm jealous of them man like yeah. they, they have a lifestyle that has afforded them tons of time in the woods and yeah. uh, yeah. if anything people think that being an uh, an out- outdoor app or outdoor platform CEO that I would just be hunting all over the country. And dude, I get invites like that. People are so nice on our platform. Mm-hmm. They, they, I've, I've had invites to every state in the country, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and I would love to do all that. But I mean, the fact of the matter is this, this business doesn't build itself. So I just yeah. remind people, uh, you know, you, you may very well be living the American dream and you don't mm-hmm. realize it. I think a lot mm-hmm. of times it's like this grass is the greener on the other side. I don't yeah. say that, say I don't love my job. I would not do anything else. And, uh, right. you know, very grateful for what we get to do. I just like to remind people to not wish away what they have, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really well said and it's good perspective. And, and, uh, you know, even linking that back to what you said earlier about, most people are average hunters, you know, and a lot of uh, being an average hunter is because that's what realistic life, you know, affords you Allows. to be. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I think, I think you're spot on there with, with how that communicates to people on go wild. Well, all this talk about go wild, we've, we've kind of, we've kind of gotten a few details here from, from our conversation so far, but Every episode of this podcast, at the very end, I tell people, you know, of course, to link up with me on on um, the different First Gen Hunter social media pages. And uh, one of them I always mention is Go Wild. And uh, I want people to know what exactly is Go Wild. It is not just another Facebook or Instagram with a different name. It's it's a very different thing. Sure, there's some elements that are similar. Um, I guess we I have would, pictures and captions, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, you know. I guess I would say it was. It's probably more similar to Instagram than than Facebook, but it truly is its own thing. There's not really that I'm aware of. Of course, you just you know listed off that there's like 40 different <laughs> apps at one time. But could you just kind of give people a rundown? Maybe what Go Wild started as and kind of how it's evolved since uh, even the timeline since I've been on since 2018. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll go all the way back. I mean, it's kind of fun. Um, the So 
literally found it in a basement and with $500. I had $500 in a business account that I forgot to close from an old business that I used to have. And I had been in advertising for seven years. And funny enough, actually my first ad agency gig is where I met two of my co-founders. Um, and me and one of those guys tried to start another company and we were working on it on the side when he got laid off and the company found our operating agreement, which is essentially a document stating what we were going to do and you know how much equity we both owned of the company, what percentage of the company we owned. Um, sure. And I got fired. I got fired over that um, oh. for, for having a side hustle. So uh, oh. I was really bitter at the time, but it was really this gift. Uh, I, was, I hated the company. I hated the job. Sure. Uh, it had just it had gone downhill. It wasn't what it used to be, and the 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 sheen had worn off. And so I started, you know, I, I ended up going to another ad agency and worked my way up from a uh, literally writing like copywriter uh, blogs on websites about toilets uh, to being <laughs> a creative director. And I got to do a lot of cool stuff and learn a lot of uh, a lot about digital marketing and web design and branding over over that five years. And sure the from there, I, I just picked a really good team to, to co-found this with. And the concept was, you know, I had, I had had somebody, um, bully me on, you know, I, I get made fun of for using that word sometimes be like, Oh, they hurt your feelings. You know what? <laughs> Screw you. You're the problem. You know, you, yeah. you, that's the yeah, problem. That's right. Exactly. Um, I, like I posted a deer on Facebook and somebody said, do you feel like a man now? And yeah. you know, I, to me, it, it, I, I I was scouting that season I talked about 2016 and I, I remember the exact moment I was in a field and uh, I was picking trail cameras. It was super hot that day in August and I was walking down the hill and I, I, I said, you know, am I even going to am I even going to post about this this year? You know, because yeah. like social media, mm-hmm. you think of your life that way. It's how yeah. messed up our brains are from these platforms. Yeah. And yeah. I, I asked myself that and, I, and instead of answering it it occurred to me how twisted it was. It's like, what a shame that you can't post something that you're so proud of and that yeah. is going to feed my family. I'm going to get 150 meals out of this animal. I took mm-hmm. it ethically. I worked really hard for it. And I didn't have it yet. I'm hoping, right? Uh, right but, yeah. but like this idea that if I did get a deer, would I even post it because of stuff like that? And, yeah. and, and realized like, that was the first realization that there had to be a better way. There had to be a place where people could talk about hunting pr- and be proud of it and share it with people with context, right? Sure. And yeah. The other thing, thinking through what Facebook had become as a business opportunity, our big bet was that if Facebook allowed the this harassment at that time, you know, where was it going to go? And, and mm-hmm. if they overlooked somebody getting harassed over something that was legal and ethical and not not to mention good for conservation. Right. The yeah. um, if they allowed that to happen, they probably were going to start to it was going to impact the businesses. We, we, we made the prediction that eventually firearms and hunting businesses would not be wanted on Facebook, too. And that, mm-hmm. as you guys know, has played out in force over the last yeah. four mm-hmm. years, four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It started there. So I got these guys together and we started talking about what it could be and what it shouldn't be. We just decided up front, we'll never do mapping. We just, there were so many mapping apps out there. We yeah. didn't want to touch that. That's a utility service too. So there's high volatility with your, your user base, right? You have right. ups and downs. People download it. They delete it when the season's over. We wanted to build something that was helpful, which needed to be the community. Uh, we needed something that was going to be educational, fun, and, and, and an experience, right? So, mm-hmm. so we started with this idea of, of, okay, but we're going to be new. We're not going to have anybody on the platform. How do you build something meaningful without having any followers? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so the nature of being new made us to look at the Reddit model and, and, and okay, we're, we're yeah. actually 
more similar to Reddit than people realize. We made a really pretty version of Reddit. So when you <laughs> post into deer hunting, you're actually posting into a forum. And so anybody that follows deer hunting, I don't know what it is, it's probably 130,000 people or something, 100,000, 130,000 people that follow deer hunting, you can tap into all those people. So mm. even if you have three followers, you can get really good engagement and feedback on questions or your, your trophies or whatever it is. And you can build following over time, but it doesn't mean the same thing in our platform. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, we tried to get away from some of the con- We call it buddies for a reason. These are mm-hmm. people that you're building relationships with. It's not just people I want to follow, right? Like we get this yeah. twisted mentality of followers being important on social media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it creates this mindset of me, me, me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. And and we forget to help other people. So we built right. this platform yeah. with, with this in mind so that we could tap into a community that would help each other. And that, so so even today, man, uh, last Monday, I saw a dude who had posted into Firearms asking a question about muzzle loaders and he had 41 comments that were a paragraph long in six hours. Hmm, and wow. Different, that's powerful. I looked at his profile. He had three followers, three. So, wow. so you, you can't do that on Instagram or Facebook at its core. We are that like, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'll go back to chronological for a minute. So, so that was the concept we came up with. Uh, we came up with the trophy system, which we could spend a whole podcast talking about. Um, it's our greatest and worst asset because we get killed by trophy requests. The thing is, there's an algorithm <laughs> that runs that. There's a lot of data goes into that to make a, a fun competitive score that feeds into mm-hmm. your profile. So your the more your profile goes up, the more reach you get in the platform, right? It's actually more important than followers on our platform. And and so the this trophy system lets you kind of log. You guys talked about brag boards earlier. It's kind of like a brag mm-hmm. board. It pins right. it to your mm-hmm. profile. See, like yeah. you can go on my profile and see all my animals on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a cool way to share. And the cool thing now is if you post a trophy, it goes out to all your followers, right? You, all, everybody gets notified at once. The engagement on these things can be crazy. I've been giving my buddy, uh, John, who works for, here for us. Uh, he's also a pro angler. Uh, our, our director of marketing, who is a angler not even for a year yet will post a bass and she'll get like 50 comments and john's getting 20 on his instagram with you know five thousand followers <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, right. like, hey, I'm like hey man she's sure is out doing you on the engagement <laughs> um, that's true but i've but seen we that. had yeah so we had um you know this forum concept and the trophy thing were really the big things that we launched with in 2017 we bootstrap built that with that 500 bucks through that summer we did start raising money I don't know how much your audience cares about the venture, like no, that's great, like, man. That's great but we started raising money. We had people coming to us and wanting to give us money, and uh, you know we raised four hundred forty thousand dollars that first year wow. to 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 build the platform, um, and and so we launched it September of two thousand seventeen in a beta on iOS. Uh, we already had a hundred beta users in there who had been testing it since that summer. Uh, we launched Android um, three months behind deadline because we were a new company and didn't know what we were doing and nobody was full time yet. Um, that launched in March of 2018. I quit my job. My wife was nine months pregnant when I quit my job to go full time. Oh, man. Uh, you want to talk about going all in? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Really, man. So I, I worked a side hustle. I worked a, a contract mark, director of marketing role for six months to be able to try to keep my payroll off the company for, mm. for that summer. Um, and, and not to be outdone the next co-founder, when he quit, he made sure his wife was pregnant too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, I actually tell guys now when they come on board, they should probably check with their wife to see if she's pregnant. Uh, yeah, yeah, really. 
Uh, the, so, so by the end of that 2018 year, we had um, four co-founders who were on. We started growing. We started adding employees over that time. Um, 2019 was interesting. So 2019 was the year like a lot of crazy stuff was going on. We launched a project with Garmin that was huge. You know, we were still barely out of beta, and Garmin built a a app for us uh, with us uh, on their platform, and and that still exists today. You can still integrate with Garmin. Yep. But we launched that in January at ATA with them in the booth. That was nuts. And then we got into this business accelerator program. That was nuts because that put us, you know, I have a network now of like Under Armour and Garmin's in there. And there's all these giant Polaris. One of our biggest clients now, Polaris, came from that. So we had this great business leverage happening. But what we ha- saw on the the platform side was that people were using, you know, I, t- I just talked about how great you could crowdsource information, right? Right. Well, people were using it to crowdsource gear and, and they, they wanted to learn, Hey, I've always been a bass fisherman. I want to get into fly fishing. What do I buy? Mm-hmm. Hey, I've always been a whitetail hunter. I want to go elk hunting. What do I buy? Hey, I've always used this bag for archery hunting. I hate it. What should I buy? And mm-hmm. so what that looks like is somebody comes in, they link out to some other website and it's a janky experience for everybody. Cause you're constantly leaving the app and coming back. And, and we said we could do better than that. So we, we, we started looking at how we could really rethink, um, how products should live on social media and this yeah. was such a new concept at the time. It sounds doesn't even sound that long ago. 2019 doesn't sound that long ago. But literally, I couldn't even figure out what to call this. Now, the, <laughs> the industry has told us it's called social commerce. But, I mean, for anybody that's familiar with, like, Instagram tagging products for brands, we do that on steroids now. Uh, it is 450,000 products in our system. It grows every night. We update every 24 hours, and we add products and so now if Kent says, Hey, I'm looking for new boots, I can go in, boom, here's the Under Armour boots I'm using, right? I can tag, yeah. Hey, here's the yeah. Rocky boots that I recommend. And, and we have this mass system of affiliates. Uh, they have their own product pages. We just rolled out this week. You, you can, you're going to start to see social data on those products. So you can see the people who are using that product. If they've tagged it, you can see social posts associated with it. We'll be rolling out soon. Other data that we're putting into that. All this started in 2019 though. We started building that we launched it with just 60,000 products that fall and immediately immediately it was the best thing we'd ever done it's mm-hmm. like we have more we have more traction on this than anything we've ever done we have to be a social commerce company we have to be a gear company and and so we started looking at ways to improve this and and we've refined it all of, uh, 2020 as you guys may have heard was um <laughs> you know it was crazy mm-hmm. i was fundraising i was you know trying to just keep the company alive we were trying to get ad dollars it was insane but what happened was the gear Every month was the new record for people interacting with gear. And so by the end of the year, wow, we, we decided to, um, we're still kicking people out to affiliates. So we're still at the end of the day doing the thing I hate, which is you have to leave the platform to, right. to see a product. So, yeah. so we decided this year to, or last year to be a retailer so that you can actually buy products through us now. Mm. And, and there's going to be a lot, this is going to evolve a lot over time. Um, We've got about 10,000 products we sell directly now. So Garmin, uh, Vortex Optics, we're bringing in Rideon Optics. Uh, Steiner Optics is coming in. We'll, we have Rocky Boots. We're getting ready to bring in a suite of other boots. We just launched a bunch of Mossy Oak turkey hunting gear. Um, all, all of this stuff's living on our platform now. And 
you know, a, the, the thing we're trying to do with that is have more control, be able to get you stuff faster, ship in two days. You know, we want to be the ultimate outdoor retailer because we have all this social context. You know, the, the big thing for hunting gear is when you're looking for it is I want to talk to somebody that's used this. I want to know that yeah. other white right. hunters are using this if I buy it. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. else can do that, man. Like Bass Pro can't do that. Amazon can't do that. They got their review systems, but you don't know if Tyler T knows what he's talking about. He rated this yeah. five star. <laughs> like old dude may have never even elk hunted, right? Like yep. you, you yeah. just don't don't know. So we're trying to give you the most context you can have, because again, what did I say? Like our goal at the very beginning of this thing was to get, give you a platform where you could learn and and figure this thing out. And we're trying to simplify gear. The industry has done a tremendous job of overcomplicating and make everybody think they need five <laughs> mm-hmm. grand of stuff to yeah, go, yeah. go whitetail hunting. It's insane. Maybe for yeah. your first time, you just need cotton bibs. Like let's start yeah. at the lowest point to get you into the woods and make sure you yeah. like it. And, and to get you that experience, because if you've ever been in the woods and heard a turkey gobble, you're never not going to be a turkey hunter again. Like it's the <laughs> right, most amazing yeah. thing in the world. Right. So, so we're trying to find ways to lower the barrier and help people find gear that's accessible. I'm not trying to sell you this top end. You know, I'm not trying to sell you a Garmin zero out of the gate. I don't think you should do that. Do I think the Garmin zero is an awesome product? Yes, I do. Do I think that a new bow hunter should buy it? No, it's a $900 mm-hmm. site. That's right. crazy. Right. You know, like, yeah. Find an interest. I don't even think you should bow hunt for your first. Like, if you want right. to, great. But if you want to just get yeah. into hunting, man, like, let's go get you a really cheap rifle, good, good, like, factory scope, and let's just get you in, out in the woods. Heck, you can borrow mine, right? Like, let's do whatever yeah. we need to do. So the whole gear system we're building is trying to help you, yeah, find gear you need, but maybe find gear you don't. You know, that's the big part of it. So uh, we're trying to have the most control over that that whole system. Um, it is new. It's a different thing. I, people download the app all the time. They're like, Hey, this is confusing. And I agree. It's confusing. If you're used to what Facebook tells you to do, if you're thinking it's a platform, it's going to be like a Facebook. Um, we, we have some things that are familiar. Like we keep things in familiar place on some ways, but in other ways, we're not going to do it the way Facebook's done it just because Facebook taught you that. And, and yeah. what we found is a huge percentage of our audience don't even have those other social platforms. Like we're hitting tens of thousands of people that don't even have those other traditional platforms anyway. So, you know, uh, yeah, sometimes we have to teach people how to at mention and what that is, which is crazy, right? It's 2021 and people don't know how to at mention, <laughs> but, but yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, we're working through that too. Um, I got really excited. I don't even know if I answered your question. Um, I kind of <laughs> went off on a, like, what it is. That's spot on. And you know, it's, it's important that people don't always come to the table, so to speak, with the the previous, I don't know what's the right word here, maybe connotation or, or expectations that they have from something else. And I think that that's exactly right when it comes to using Go Wild. I find new things on Go Wild all the time. Um, the trail mix thing, I love that, where you can just, you can hit that drop down list and be like, you know what, I want to see what everyone's doing for upland hunting right now. You know, I, what is, what's everyone, you know, are sheds dropping anywhere else right now? I'm going to check out shed hunting. Yeah. <laughs> and and you can, you can find that stuff stuff and and so quickly and and uh yeah the 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 gear side of things that's that's incredibly helpful and uh you know i I thought of something when you said the tyler t thing on the uh, bass pro review i love the reviews people give when they're like just got these boots today five stars man they're gonna be great (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, that's what i'm saying man it's like i don't i'd rather see those boots with a dead deer and know that exactly use them for the season that's that's what we do Exactly. A couple other quick things that uh, a lot of people don't even know. They they use the app all the time. And don't know if you if you're in the app and you tap that trail mix button, there's a there's something called outdoor headlines. 
it's essentially an RSS feeder that is pulling from dozens of different platforms and websites. Uh. So you can go in there and read about outdoors, hunting, fishing. There's gear reviews in there. Uh, there's also a feature called Near Me. So if you go into any specific trail or your trail mix, you can tap that little radar button at the top, and it's going to pull posts that are, uh, I think it's 150 miles or in your state. So yeah. I use the crap out of that um, in in like turkey season, trying to figure out what the birds are doing. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then deer season, you know, the rut comes and goes really quickly. So if I can crowdsource my knowledge and see what other people are seeing, cause I mean, go out, people go hunting. They post every day when they, yeah. hunt. here's my log. Yeah. I spent six hours out today. The deer were doing this. Uh, you can find really quickly what, what's happening in your area. Very cool. So any of you looking up Go Wild yet while you're tuning into this one? Hope you are. It's a great thing to use. Great thing to, uh, great community to be a part of. Well, because this episode is a little bit different than our normal hunting tactics or strategies type of episode, I'm going to give you a little bit different tip of the day today. Today's tip of the day is going to be about preparing that wild game. Now, I'm going to start right here. I mean, there's enough people who know me well enough that tune into this podcast that are going to be like, wait, what? Ken's going to tell you how to prepare food. That's like the most unqualified thing ever. And they would be right, except for in this way. Uh, One of the things I learned a few years ago, actually from a couple of guys that Brad talks about in this show, um, I heard uh, Stephen Ranella from Meat Eater talk about this, and uh, I think he even referenced Hank Shaw through this, and so I started looking up Hank Shaw. Brad talks about Hank Shaw in this episode as well. And uh, what, what Steve Ronello was talking about was the importance of brining your wild game, and he specifically mentioned uh, venison, white-tailed deer. And what he suggested was that for people who get hung up on the quote-unquote gamey taste of wild game, if you brine that meat, that taste oftentimes uh, becomes greatly diminished. And uh, he also mentioned that the meat will uh, be much juicier and uh, that the uh, uh, meat will also be a little bit more tender when you go to eat it. And uh, it's just overall a much better way to not just prepare wild game, but any, any meat dish, really. And uh, just kind of a reality that we have to accept when it comes to wild game. Yes, the concept of eating wild game brings a lot more people into hunting, I think, that wouldn't otherwise consider it just because that that food connection and, and, uh, you know, a a truly uh, as organic and free range and all those other other uh, adjectives we like to put on our food, it meets those needs. And so people are interested in it. But kind of a unfortunate reality to that is that people approach wild game with a little bit of fear, I think. And sometimes uh, that can either totally keep them from trying it or they try they try it once and whoever was uh, preparing it didn't know what they were doing. The meat came out really tough, really gamey. 
and just overall a totally negative experience and what happens is when that fear was confirmed that this food wasn't going to be good it turns them off for life so it is important that you brine your wild game now how do you do this well uh, the Hank Shaw ratio of brining is uh, the one that I have been using for several years now. I should I should really say my wife uses. She does most of the cooking, and she's an excellent uh, cook, I will say. But what you, uh, you what what you want to do is you want to get the right ratio of salt to water for your brine. Uh, if you don't get enough, then the brine won't have enough of an effect. And it'll probably make you think, well, that was a waste of time. I'm not going to do it again. The other thing you don't want to do is have too much salt because then the meat's going to be very salty and uh, people don't like that either. So what, what Hank Shaw has recommended and what we have found to, to confirm that is two tablespoons of salt for every quart of water. Now, I don't know about you, but not a lot of people measure in quarts anymore. But if you have an algae bottle in your cabinet, like I have a whole bunch of, you can fill one of those bad boys up to the old 32 ounce line and uh, use that as your measurement for a quart of water. And then get, of course, the two tablespoon measuring spoon out, scoop up some salt, some good old table salt, and throw it in with the, uh, the water and um, then put the meat in there. Now, of course, if you're going to do like a huge hunk of, like a huge roast or something, then you're going to have to have, you know, several uh, quarts of brine to uh, to uh, be using there for uh, that meat. But uh, for just steaks, you know, usually a quart, maybe two quarts, that'll get by. And then another thing that's fun to do is add some extra flavor to that brine. One of the things we like to do in the summer if we're having some deer steaks or something like that is uh, we got a couple of really nice mulberry trees in our yard here in Iowa and uh, we like to go pick up a whole bunch of mulberries and throw those in with the brine throw a couple other seasonings in there from our little herb garden that we have and man does that make for some delicious wild game steaks or chili or roast whatever you want brine that wild game and you will find that you'll enjoy your, your the the hard work that went into to bagging that animal and uh, those that you want to kind of you know show off to impress convince that they need to try this wild game it'll go a lot farther with them as well so that's your tip of the day let's go ahead and get back here to the last the last half of this episode an interview with mr brad luttrell from go wild Yeah, you know, people really need to view Go Wild more in the sense of, of a tool and not just a, you know, something that's fun to, to pass time on like, like yeah, all others. Be. Right, you know, it's it's almost like you're on X. When, you, when you're going to hunt somewhere new, you're always on your on X. Okay, you know, where where's where's this terrain feature? Where am I going to hang a stand? Where Where's my trail camera at? Well, you know, this is another tool like your your mapping app, like a Nonx or a hunt stand or a base map, whatever you want to use. This is another tool in the toolbox to find the gear, to find what's happening at the time and, and find those tactics and answers to questions that, that you may have. And, and I've definitely seen all those things that, that Brad's mentioned. And uh, one of the things that 
from the beginning has has blown me away more than anything else. And you kind of hinted on it a little bit, Brad, but the positivity, the difference in tone for hunting conversation on Go Wild. And, and uh, you know, I haven't followed fishing as much on other social media sites. So I guess, I, you know, I'm not super familiar with, with uh, how people talk to each other in that world, but definitely in the hunting world. In fact, um, kind of an interesting story a friend of mine uh, knows a guy who's who, who is one of those incredibly talented uh, hunters. He's a whitetail hunter, and uh, he used to run a page, uh, a forum back in the early two thousands, which was really kind of the height of those old hunting forums. And that was that was well before I ever even hunted. And um, the the guy's page got to be really popular. This guy was killing giant deer all the time. But you know the idea was. Uh, kind of a brag board thing for other people to post on there and the the forum got to be so toxic with with people like you know bash you know a kid would shoot like Mm -hmm. a a button buck and then people would be on there oh should have let that thing go you know and and it became so bad the guy finally just threw in the towel he had probably thousands of people connected on there but he just couldn't stand the the toxicity of that environment any longer that you know basically had his name on it that uh he he walked away from it and when when you talk to hunters who that was kind of like you know their prime for lack of a better term of when they were hunting you know that was when they were that was when they were going after it the hardest when the hunters that came out of that era they're almost more defensive, you know what I mean? Because they they were just so used to, to, for whatever reason, having to prove themselves all the time, defend their decisions. Mm-hmm. And like really what Brad, Brad described there, you know, you think to yourself, if I, if I shoot something, am I going to, am I going to post this? And I'll tell you mm-hmm. right now, I did that with the first deer that I ever got when I was in my mid twenties, that was a doe. And I had some of that and I have not, I have not posted, um, Instagram's not, not quite as, as uh, brutal as, as uh, Facebook can be, but, uh, I, I don't post that to anything other than my, my, uh, first gen hunter pages anymore or go, you know, I'll post it to go wild of course, but, but, uh, the positivity on go wild is what has always stood out to me the most. And I think that what that has captured is a little bit of how hunting really has to change going forward and brandon and i have mentioned this before it's easy to get all doom and gloom on hunting right Mm -hmm. it's easy to get say Mm -hmm. you know uh you know we're losing hunting numbers you know if all we need is uh to lose the majority of people having favor towards a favorable outlook on hunting and all of a sudden all this political change can happen And and that's true that 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 very much could happen um but if we're really going to have this this way of life carry on to future generations, you know, for to, for there to even be interest in it, we got to be able to keep the people around who are who are coming into it. And uh, you know, we mentioned we talked a little bit about COVID, and and it is interesting uh, what you mentioned there on on some of the ways that Go Wild grew during uh, this this year of mayhem that we just came out of. One of the other really big positive stories that we kept hearing all the time are hunting and fishing 
uh, license sales are way up. And so we had mm-hmm. more people coming to this. I was getting that information anecdotally from friends. You know, they'd be like, man, I went out to this public piece and there were more people out there fishing or more people hiking or more people hunting than I've ever seen before. And so in other words, we have an opportunity. We're certainly not going to keep all those people. That's just not the way the world works, of course. But we're going to have to find a way to be more welcoming uh and and i really see go wild as as being the really the the gold standard for that and and, you know we got to be real too i'm sure somewhere you know there's there's been a a bit of negativity or something because people are always going to be people but i'm telling you folks you need to get on you need to get on go wild if you aren't already and and enjoy it's really a kind of a a a refreshing and a uh bit of relief to be able to 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 share that stuff and and enjoy it and talk about it and and not worry about you know what kind of backlash am i going to get for mm-hmm. for this but yeah we're actually adding um we're adding our or updating our terms of service right now and to be able to address that if it pops up you know we, we, mm-hmm. we don't get many instances i mean it's literally maybe one a month we'll see sure um the community does a good job mm-hmm. of policing itself you know hey yeah. i don't i don't want to see that here hey we don't do that here um yeah but yeah. but it does happen when uh you know somebody somebody will chastise somebody for something they don't it was a legal take but they don't like it you know it's, right. it's not mm-hmm. their ethic and mm-hmm. and we we are as a platform support any legal take if yeah. it was yeah. legal in your state and you abided by the law um mm-hmm. it, you know we're not going to judge you for for whatever it is for size yeah. um you know, some people take real issue with shooting something you don't, you're not going to eat. And and personally, like as a hunter, I don't hunt things I don't eat, not because I have some big problem with coyote hunters or whatever, but that's mm-hmm. just like my my approach and the reason I hunt, a huge part of the reason I hunt is food. So, um, but, but you know, as for coyote hunting, we have a huge predator audience and a huge right. trapping audience, right? So yeah. um, I fully support them doing it. I, I don't have any problem with that. We support it. Uh, we, we're rolling out terms of service, though, to be, it literally says if you're, if you're bullying or harassing someone for a legal take, you can be removed. But we went through and refined that and made sure that we, we basically, I want to be able to enforce and get, get these psychos out if they come, yeah. right? Like, I don't, right. I don't want people in here. Um, you know, people talk about free speech and, and, um, we've had some people that have gotten warnings on the platform talk about that too, but you know, it is, uh, the free speech is not what people think it is. The free speech mm-hmm. is the government telling you, you can't say it, um, as a business, if you're in our community yeah. and, and you're in there tainting it, then I have a right to remove you, you know, right. it, yeah. and likewise, you know, these, the, the big thing that we also have to keep in mind you know, Parler got taken down because it refused to abide by Google and Apple's rules. It's very clear. Mm-hmm. Like, that, you can't mm-hmm. do what they said they were going to do. And we we actually predicted that they were going to get taken down because of the, the nature of, the, of what they were promoting and allowing. Um, it literally did not surprise my team at all when, when it happened. People, right. A lot of people did because you don't hear about communities of that size being wiped out off the App Store. But you have to abide by the rules set forth by the company. Like, Apple, as a company, has created 
a, a network that you can tap into, you can build a business on, but they have their own rules. And right. so, uh, likewise, we've built rules that, you know, are trying to keep that community the way it is. We, you know, we, we have a really good monitoring system. If people report something, we, it gets reviewed pretty usually within minutes, but up to 24 mm-hmm. hours, you know, it's going to get seen and, and, and dealt with. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can post freely and, and dude, I mean, like you said, I, I mean, I shot a doe last year and I, I had, I don't know, probably 60 or 70 comments on it congratulating me for a doe. You know, it's right, like yeah. hey, people love yeah. that stuff. They're like, hey, freezer queen, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and honestly, too, I mean, just the in order to promote ongoing long-term growth, I mean, in the sport, I mean, you, you want to see unity. You know, I know, you know, I'm sure we all come across those Facebook posts, you know, the, 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 um, you know, the, the crossbow haters, you know, and, yeah. and it just, you know, the list goes on and on and on, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it's a very, I think, Brad, you may have brought this up a little bit ago, you know, it's a very me focused, um, type of mindset versus a community focused mindset. And, you know, it, it's pretty cool what you're building is fostering unity and fostering growth and fostering mentorship and all that type of good stuff that ultimately is needed if we're going to see the numbers move in a positive direction. Yeah. Well, what you're talking about, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to immediately, I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge that you could turn this on us too, because we, we definitely have silos. I have a silo of deer hunters, right? Like you people mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. posting about this have silos. They have echo chambers. Sure. But yeah. the, the problem is these, these platforms have, um, to keep you engaged and to keep you posting and keep you scrolling, they 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 find out what you like and, mm-hmm. and then they show you more content like that, right? And yes. and it doesn't take long before you think everybody else thinks like you and you get right. reaffirmed that the way you think is right. And right. and so whether it's crossbows, whether it's Trump, whether it's Biden, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what what mm-hmm. it literally does not matter what what your views are. These these algorithms, if the, I'll I'll say they do a fantastic job of this, although I think it's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do a fantastic job of figuring out what you like and, and they're going to funnel that content straight to you and it validates you and you feel, yeah. you feel like, you know what you're talking about. You feel like right. you're in the right, you know, and, and honestly, it's a shame, man. I mean, uh, yeah. what a sad world to live in when there's no diversity of thought, you know, oh, yeah. I have friends who are vegans, you know, I, I have friends who, who vote differently than me and, and mm-hmm. we can have civil discourse. I don't understand um, what about social media? I think it's the anonymity of it. You know, we say so yeah. much stuff oh, yeah. that you know would have gotten you punched yeah. in the nose, right? So, <laughs> yes, yes. But 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 there, you know, it it all just it, it gets so violent. And and honestly, man, some of the stuff that was been said on Parlor was psychotic and was dangerous. And and it happens on Facebook too. That's that's where if that's a whole other show we could do of yeah. like why is face not Facebook not been taken down, but Parlor was. Uh, my my answer to that is that. Facebook um, at least has has a system for moderation, and they do try. That's the mm-hmm. difference. The, even though the 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 capital riot stuff was large, a lot of it was planned on Facebook. They at least try to regulate it. Parler wanted nothing to do with regulation. That was the problem with that platform. Um, but but at the end of the day, I just think it's really dangerous to live in these echo chambers um, politically or whatever it is to just constantly be fed you know, feedback back, you know, what's cool. One thing that's cool about the platform is there is discourse. I will see people debate stuff. Somebody told me today, even, um, he's, he, he is a guy named Chuck down in Texas who I really have come to respect and like, um, Chuck said he posted a rattlesnake that he shot and didn't eat. And someone, um, 
he kind of joked about giving him grief on Go Wild about it first. And I just joked with him. I said, well, my buddy's got a a Chinese food recipe. If you want everyone to eat rattlesnake again, he's got a a recipe for rattlesnake. And he said, oh, actually it was, he he said he gave me a a little grief about it, but he was polite about it. And we had a good laugh, like a good discussion about it. And that's how things play out. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, And we even have the debate of, um, I, I saw a kid one time shoot a woodpecker and post it on Go Wild, and he didn't know that he'd broken the law. Mm-hmm. And and then we had a discussion internally of, uh, you know, per our terms, that technically would be a violation of terms because it's a legal act. Uh, um, it's it's a poaching act or against the law or whatever, yeah. however you want to look at it. Um, and we had a discussion of, well, if we take it down now, we don't give the community the opportunity to teach that kid. Right. And, and it turned into, um, we, we left that post up uh, because there was good feedback you know, mm-hmm. telling him, Hey, you can't yeah. do that. It's a federally, federally protected animal. Right. And, yeah. um, it w- it's interesting, you know, there are, there are nuances to all this terms of service stuff of weeding th- or uh, wading through all that. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think when you, you take, you know, everybody comes in so hot, you're just making people mm-hmm. mad and, and make people mad and they don't want to hear you. I mean, we, if you're at a boss, you let you like, you, even if they were right, it didn't matter. Right now, you want a new right. job. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I, I think we lose a lot of that through social media and our our community. And people ask me what we did to build such a good community. And honestly, I, a lot of times I'd say I don't know because I don't know how it's maintained. And there's a culture that we have at least set place in place from the OG guys from <laughs> you guys from 2018 and even <laughs> 17 mm-hmm. that are still around and appreciate that it's kind of this sacred ground and they don't want to get it tainted. Dude, you post in politics and go out and I guarantee in like an hour somebody's going to tell you to take it down. Like they yeah. just don't want to see it there. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Right, sure. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and I, I really can't think of a better term than refreshing. I mean, that's, that's what you feel when you're in there, you, that you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, mentally bite your tongue when you, yeah, when I mean, you it's see like something. Deer camp. It's like you're with your buddies. That's what it always right. feels like for me, you know? Right. It's like, it's like those sweet moments when you forget that, uh, you have to go to work on Monday, you know, where <laughs> you're just having so much fun. You're, you're totally, mm-hmm. you're totally away. Yep. Yeah. That's what I like about it for sure. Well, we're kind of getting into it here a little bit, Brad, but I, I do want to hear your, your, I don't know, maybe what you've seen. And it, what's interesting here is you grew up closer to hunting than what I did, but just from when you were doing your I guess kind of your hunter profile at the beginning of the show here. I see so many similarities in in how hunting has been for for you and how it's been for me. And I would never call myself an expert by any means, very average. But uh, what what do you think beyond just this positivity thing? What do you think has to change for hunting to? Uh, maybe hang on to some of these new hunters we're getting, you know, obviously the point of the show, helping first gen hunters. What do you think needs to happen within the hunting community to keep people around? One of the first things we got to do is stop talking about heritage. Um, you know, mm. you, you, you don't have heritage that, out of the gate. Hunting, hunting loves to talk about heritage. There, <laughs> there are nonprofits that are there to save the heritage and, and, mm. and they have great, they do great work and they have great missions, but the, the message is wrong. You know, the, the people who are new, don't have that emotional you know we talked about pixar and how they they hit emotions that you had hidden right Mm -hmm. everybody Mm -hmm. knows what it's like to leave home you know if you live old enough most people leave their parents house some of them don't and they 
end up buying GameStop GameStop stock, right? And then, <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just kidding about that. Right. Uh, but but uh, the the stock nerds that listen to this will at least appreciate that. Yeah, um, yeah, that I feel like that became a meme. I think anybody might appreciate that joke. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. but, but seriously though, man, like heritage is not what the hunting industry thinks it is. You know, the, uh, people that are coming into this as adult hunters do not have that nostalgic feeling exactly. of seeing a picture of Papa taking the little kid out to, to hunt. Right. And right. so much of our industry has built up this language and this image of that. And I think we got to get away from that. I think as an industry, we do a terrible job. There are brands that are, are doing this well now. Uh, I think a first light's done a really good job with educational content. For example, they, they, they do a good job of teaching people in general and it's not just buy, 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 but sure. in general, the, the industry has made it feel like you have to go on an elk hunt or a, a sheep hunt yeah. to be legit. And you have to yeah. have $5,000 worth of camo and, and mm-hmm. backpacks to be, be legit. And you need a 2000, $3,000 bow set up to be legit. And we end up, all of these are just blocks in a wall. That's a barrier that someone has to conquer, right? I yeah, think, I think a huge part it. of that is that I, I really hope the industry is, is thinking about these new people and creating new content that's, that's educational content. And they are. There are some brands out there that I've been really proud to talk to. And, and a lot of the stuff we're working on for this year is trying to keep, create more educational content. And they're into that. You know, they're really excited about um, trying to bring in some of these new brands. We, we've worked with Federal Ammunition with putting uh, um, language out there to help newbies understand, you know, um, is anything more intimidating than picking a caliber for a deer, deer rifle <laughs> when you're new? Like, what are all yeah, these numbers? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought we're American. I didn't know we used the metric system. Uh, you know, so, um, but, but people forget what it's like to be new, man. That goes back yeah. to what I said about building the platform. I don't, I, I, there were platforms built by expert hunters. There was this dude that was, I, I obsess over competition in the early days or I did. I don't, now I don't use any of these platforms or care what these groups are doing. I'm trying to focus on us, but I would listen to podcasts and all dig into the whole like backstory and this guy was hunting all over the world and he built this hunting app and it had like this global feature so you could see these african um, tags and it's like that's really awesome i th- i would love to hunt in africa one day i think it's really like there's a a lot of um a, a, a multitude of game and the conservation angle really interests me from that side that's not most people man like most people don't resonate yeah. with that they're, they're not gonna ever go and chase like an, any even like the plains animals they're not gonna yeah. do that uh, right, put yeah. aside like the, the big five or whatever it is, you know, um, I, I think finding language that resonates with people uh, around food, around adventure is the way forward. We have to get our heads wrapped around that, that it's OK to come back empty handed. It's OK to, you know, yeah. shoot a doe. It's OK to yeah. shoot a spike, man. Like yeah. I, 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 I realize that. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into quality deer, deer management, but go talk mm-hmm. to QDMA and, and they're on board with this. They created yeah. this, right? Yeah. Like yeah. people think that they have these perceptions of what it takes to manage a herd and all this stuff. And a lot of it's wrong. Like a, yeah. a lot of our perceptions and this histor all this historic knowledge that we think we've built in is just, it's just wrong. And, yeah. and, and I think we, we need to back up, refresh, uh, realize these people coming in don't have the same values that we did for hunting. You know, again, I, I did have that nostalgia because I, I, uh, that ancestral tie was important to me, but, um, you know, I don't think like, a you, the wall street journal ran an article on hunting last year called hipsters are putting down their kombucha and buying crossbows. That hipster <laughs> 
living in New York does not have the same, like that emotive, motive trigger for them is not on heritage, man. Like we already right. out of the gate, mm-hmm. like I'm a branding guy, right? I, I, you out of the gate, you had the wrong message and you've already probably lost your customer, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I think, I don't know. I think if I were to say anything, it's just, it's just really, we have to, uh, put aside where, where hunting has been the last, the next 20 years will not look like the last 20 years mm-hmm. and, and we need to focus on education. We need to focus on teaching them that they are conservationists that, 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 that or that they can be. I don't think you buy, I, to me, a conservationist is uh, aware that they're, they're contributing. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of ways, uh, conservation is a byproduct of hunting. A lot of people don't even realize that they're participating in it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would like to see awareness into that because i think that like as an emotive like that's awesome i i mm-hmm. I, I dude i buy my um sportsman's tag here in kentucky every year and i throw in on elk knowing i'm not going to get an elk tag i buy four right. tags every year and i'm probably never going to get that lottery because it's so competitive here mm-hmm. but like i don't feel bad about throwing 40 dollars at fish and wildlife right right teaching people yeah. that like where their money's going you know buy a duck stamp that's some of the best money you can spend because it's going to go towards conservation um hitting hitting those threads hitting the food thread like like hank um hank uh forrester's done down in georgia great. he'd be great for y'all show to come on and talk about what he's doing you know um focus on food and, and all that like I, I think that's the way forward well brad and, and it's interesting that you mentioned it because you look at these this new generation of people that were trying to get into it and you know you could say that they are maybe more susceptible to some of the uh fantastical type things that you see on social media or in, you know, on the TV shows and things like that. And it, you know, they may get into it with that fantastical idea. And then, you know, there's a, there's a big letdown and, and maybe not a propensity to, to stick with it. And then for those of us who have been, you know, have the, the nostalgia and, and all that, you know, we grew up too watching the different shows and now seeing people on social media, you know, really proclaiming something that maybe they're not. And then it's, it almost becomes a self-imposed expectation or expectation, you know, that boy, we've got to be better than we are. And and instead of pursuing, like you just mentioned adventure and, and Kent and I've talked about that as well, you know, man, listen to these ventures, go, go out and create your own adventure. It might be in your own backyard. It might be, you know, Hey, maybe you've got a chance to travel and, uh, you know, 20 miles and do a hunt. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you've got, you know, public land, you know, you know, close by that you can go and create your own adventure, you know, focus on that and the enjoyment that goes into that instead of these ridiculous expectations. And so I think it's pretty interesting that you mentioned that because it, you know, it's, it seems like the, that new generation of people getting into it could be really susceptible to falling in, falling into that side of things. And obviously that's a huge part of what you're trying to help people avoid through what you're doing. Yeah, it totally is. And I was just kind of thinking, as you were saying that, you know, something, something that I don't like, and it, we see a lot of coming out of that culture of like, you have to have a big buck or you, you know, you gotta, mm-hmm. they, we, we put these high expectations on everybody that yeah. they have to have this. And what happens when mm-hmm. they don't think about that? What right. happens when that's they right. don't, there's disappointment. Mm-hmm. So now somebody got a, a deer that they're going to get 130, 150 meals out of. They mm-hmm. had this great experience. They contributed to conservation as much as the guy that shot the 180 point whitetail. Like, yep. <laughs> what's why does it matter? Why why right, do, yeah. why do we have to make that person feel bad and have disappointment right. with their season? I mean, what's the first thing you see these people say when they log a trophy on anything? Well, it's not my biggest deer. Like, <laughs> exactly. Have, exactly. Like out of the gate, out of the gate, they're having to oh. admit shame yeah. for yes, something. Right. And you know, I I try not to do that with my content. I shot a Jake this year. 
uh, or last year turkey hunting, I got skunked two years in a row, and I was mm-hmm. not gonna apologize for shooting a Jake. Like, yeah, I, you know, right. it's like I'm I'm trying to with what we're doing too to be aware that you know a lot of this changes by the culture, and we we have a culture, man. You guys were talking about it a little bit earlier, and I was kind of thinking of this of like what led to this big buck buck culture and it was tv shows a lot of these tv shows you know they yeah they're they're feeding this perception and this image of um there's a lot of undoing to to be done from that right and um you know there's a lot of guys out there uh steven rennell with his show has done a great job of showing hunts where he doesn't get anything right whole episode you watch for 25 minutes and (laughs) you didn't get anything and the uh i think nick's nick uh nick hoffman with nick's wild ride has done a great job with with creating a show that's about uh, culture and food and travel and uh, it's not like that is what hunting is to him and yeah he, mm-hmm. he goes out and probably shoots a you know a sheep hunt or uh, sheep on like um, those twenty five thousand dollar tag or or he's in <laughs> he's in some foreign country like there is that aspect of it but Nick doesn't make it about that Nick makes it about mm-hmm. the experience I know Nick personally he's a friend of mine and the dude has the best heart and has the best message out of I mean, if I were to model anybody. Um, from the industry of what we should be doing is it's people like him. So it, it all starts, it, I mean, it's not up to just them though, man. It's um, all of us should be thinking this way and talking about our, our takes that way. Yeah. yeah I yeah, think, I, I think you hit it right on the head there. And that's something that I've, I've been trying to work through, you know, and think of why am I getting into this and how do I then relate to people who, who have been hunting their whole lives and, and, um, how can I, you know, maybe serve as, as some sort of, uh, I don't know, mediator between the two worlds, the, the, the hipster with the crossbow and the, you know, the, the 15th generation hunter you know mm-hmm. Dude, mm-hmm. personally i i think the hipster with the crossbow is way more interesting than the guy that's been hunting <laughs> deer on his farm i mean no offense to that guy on the yeah, farm right. he's been there for 30 years but like er, yeah. there's a lot of those um yeah but you know, like aj Derosa, who is he's literally written the book on um what uh, urban deer hunting um i think mm-hmm. it, i think that might be the name of aj's book but aj doesn't look like a typical hunter he's got neck tattoos and, yeah um you know i don't know if you guys are familiar with him from northwoods yeah. collective they do yeah they do the um the uh project upland yep project and, upland. and yeah and aj's a, an amazing guy and um he'd be an awesome guest on here too and you know to 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 look at what he's doing and, and guys like like he doesn't look like what you think and I think that's awesome. The more we can yeah. break those cultural barriers down and you know just yeah. have some diversity, we just got to welcome it. And I think most people really do do a good job of that. It it just takes a couple trolls on a, a group, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. dude, I got bullied by one person and and created an p- entire platform around it. I mean, <laughs> people people yeah. really do undervalue um, how much it hurts sometimes to have somebody give you give you grief, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You're right. Well, and I mean, I mean, you, you look at it, people, people want community, they want fellowship. And, you know, you, you talk, you talk about the complex of men and, you know, getting on it, you know, getting in a group and then never feeling like you're good enough. You know, I mean, w- what that can do to someone and, you know, that that's, it's powerful to be able to, you know, have the unity, have the encouragement, have the learning, all of that combined together. That's what people are looking for. And, you know, it, you know, here, like for like some of what we try to do is individual mentorship, you know, and, and the ability to do that on a large scale with what you're doing. I mean, that's powerful to, to, you know, to commit to the encouragement, to the learning, to the positivity, to the community, you know, all that's needed. If it's going to be something positive, you know, you look at a lot, a lot of these guys. Uh, and, and girls, you know, and, and you, you know who they are, the, the, the trollers, you know, and, and they're the, the people that are on a lot of these social media platforms 
24/7, but they're probably the least happy people, you know, and, and they're searching. They're ser- they they want they they want community, but they don't know how to get what they really want. And so it's really interesting when you like look into the psychology of these things and uh pretty cool that you're going at it from a different point of point of view and perspective and for those of us who you know, whether we've been doing it for years or whether we're new to it, you know, whether we're first gen hunters, you know, like Kent is, I mean, we're all wanting to move in that direction where we're changing the mindset, you know, and, and that, and that's hard because like you talked about, there's been a lot of long standing mindsets in, you know, the OG that, that, you know, have to change. And so we have to, you know, some of us have to be open to that and that can be hard. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this, there's, I've gotten some feedback of, of people acting like I'm trying to sissify hunting, like, Oh, you can't take a, a, a joke or whatever, like, Dude, <laughs> whatever, man. You don't know me. I, I my yeah. team will tell you, I, I will give it uh, to you directly. Like we have a great <laughs> culture here of, of shooting yeah. people straight. And if you screwed up, we all talk about it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I go hunting with, uh, I uh, went down to Texas a few years ago with my buddy, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is one of the best mentors in the game. He, he, he runs a camp where he brings in each camp. Uh, he'll do sometimes when he's doing these, he'll do like six in a row or something, five people each mm. camp and they're coming in and most of them are first time hunters. Right. And yeah. he even had, he even had a vegan who trolled him for a year, sign up and he came down and now he hunts with Jeremiah every year. Wow. But, I mean, Jeremiah would never say a word to me over anything. In fact, I, when I got a doe last year, he's one of, he texted me. He's like, awesome job, man. Got the freezer full. But nice. Jeremiah, like as a culture, yeah, Jeremiah, he makes fun of my jeans. He makes fun of my boots. Like he <laughs> gives me a hard time, right? Yeah, Anything yeah. Jeremiah can make fun of me about, he does. And I do the same to him. Like we're, we're brothers in that way, right? Like yeah, right, I'm not right. trying to take the, the, you know, the, the guys club or whatever, right. which we can talk about adding women into hunting. That's a whole other podcast. But, yeah. um, you know, I'm not trying to take that away. I'm not trying to yeah. take that, that fun, playful banter and all the, mm-hmm. all, all the picking yeah. on each other. All yeah. that stuff's great. That's what builds culture. I just read the yes. book, um, The Culture Code, and it talked about how in the SEALs, like mm-hmm. everybody's on the same page of, of knowing what's great and, yeah. and, and um, also knowing what success is. And I think if we just redefine success, that culture yeah. doesn't have to go away. We can still pick on each other. We can still give somebody sure. a hard time for missing a shot. Like that stuff's funny. Yeah. I don't right. care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. Mean, yeah. I, I had a terrible shot on that doe, and I my, my team laughs about it, makes fun of me. Uh, I mean, I still got her, but it wasn't exactly <laughs> right. a great shot placement, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but, you know, picking on, I'm not saying we can't have those fun moments. I'm just saying, right, right. don't pick on somebody for what, what they shot if it's legal, man. Like, that's right. not cool. Yeah. 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 I, I think, uh, you've, you've hit so many things here that, you know, and, and make, it's easy to say, what does everybody else need to do? But it's good to look inside myself and, and, you know, what do I need to do better to, to include mm-hmm. more people and, and share it and, and not just bring them to where hunting is, you know, which can be the temptation go meet them where they are and, and, uh, you know, make it something that, that fits for them and, and works for them and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, helps them, helps them succeed now because you're right. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the way you said it with the, the, the metaphor, the, the, the brick wall, you know, we put up so many blocks, whether it's money, whether it's not having the knowledge, whether it's, you know, <laughs> worrying about what people are going to say, even, uh, if we, if the, the more we can tear down those blocks for people and help them out and, uh, and, and get them, get them to where they're just having fun, let alone filling a tag, then they're going to be coming back, I think for sure. So, yeah, totally. well, Brad, just, uh, as we, we draw to a close here, I kind of have some, just, uh, is you as a personal hunter type questions here, just kind of rapid fire. Sure. 
you talked you talked a lot about the connection of food and uh we we have a mutual friend uh, mark norquist from modern carnivore yep. and we we did a whole episode where we really hammered away on that and how how important food is for for pulling people in and, and you kind of mentioned that as well what is i mean if you had a a last meal a last wild game meal what are you going for man I can never say this because uh, my hillbilly accent comes out, but asabuco, <laughs> the Italian dish. Um, okay. My wife, my wife says I say everything wrong, uh, including <laughs> my last name. I say Luttrell. She, 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 my wife says I say my last name wrong. She says it should be Luttrell, which is what everybody else says, but I say Luttrell. Um, but that that Italian dish, there's a recipe for it in Buck Buck Moose, and it is hard. It's harder to make. You got literally got to get a hacksaw and cut through a bone. Uh, it's from the shank. <laughs> which a lot of people throw in a grind pile. And I think that's one of the greatest sins. I mean, we'll pick on you for that. If you're throwing a shank in the grind sure. pile, um, shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but it, you know, Hey, do your own thing if that's what you like. But, right. but I will tell you, if you have thrown a shank in the grind pile and you do try this meal, you'll never do it again. Uh, that, that is a fantastic meal. That is, it's a traditional Italian dish. It, um, is, is so fantastic. You take that shank, you cut, you cut, uh, depending on the deer size and which, which, uh, front leg or hind leg you're using, um, you can get, you know, maybe three or four cuts out of it. You, you sear it uh, with a little bit of flour or, um, I, I don't eat grains, so you can actually do almond flour that works uh, or uh, that works all the same. Um, sear that, put it in a Dutch oven with, with the ingredients uh, slow cook it for six hours and it will, it melts in your mouth and it turns a cut that has is loaded with tendons and looks lo- completely unusable. And it turns it into the most flavorful cut from the animal. Um, Man. that's my favorite dish. You can also take that and make spaghetti with it. When you're done, take the bone out and the next night you're going to have leftovers. So the next night you can kind of, uh, mush it up, serve it over pasta that comes to mind. Um, Another, yeah, I'm a big good. Hank Shaw fan. You'll notice, like most of my recipe references come from him. Uh, the other one I'll, I'll mention, and I throw this out there because a lot of people don't use this part of the deer either. But the deer's ribs are actually highly edible. A lot of people mm-hmm. will shave them down and throw it in a grind pile. Uh, sure, but but the, the which is fine. Um, grind, grind is great. You can do a lot. It's a very diverse, you know, way to way to use your deer, right? But mm-hmm. if you save your ribs. You can actually make Korean barbecue with them. Do a parboil. You, oh. So you're going to boil it down. And right before, you, you, if it's falling off the bone, you went too far. So you want to get it right before that. And mm-hmm. then he has a, uh, uh, Hank Shaw has a, a barbecue sauce that's super easy to make. You, you slather that on, throw it on the grill for 10 minutes and caramelize that super hot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it will change your life. Like it literally <laughs> is one of the, uh, it's ama- amazing. And, and again, it's one of those cuts that people think it's like wow well, what are you gonna do with that oh, it's yeah. a deer not a cow you can't there's not that much meat on there dude i i, I save these racks of ribs um from from my deer on the and, and do this every year and it's literally i i save i savor them more than i do the backstrap backstrap is not even in my top five cuts like i just you know to That's me it's expected it's, it's good don't get me wrong i love mm-hmm. a good backstrap but in terms of flavor and diversity of what you can do I think there's yeah. a lot more exciting ways to to eat a deer, but those are my two two of my favorites. Yeah, that's a great tip, man. I I saved my rib meat, but I wish I would have saved it on the rack now. And uh, I think I sliced up all of my shank as well because uh, I was going to grind it. But might, all right, no, I mean, I did, I've done it too. I just take deer to processors. I didn't know. You, I mean, you don't know these yeah, things, right? Like, right? Nobody's born with this knowledge. That's what's so silly yeah. about all this. People people act like you. This is not innate knowledge, man. Like, yeah, right? hunting. Mm-hmm. 
feels natural because our ancestors did it right. Like you feel at home doing that uh, once mm-hmm. you've done it, and there's something right about it. But nobody knows to save a shank. Nobody knows it's edible. I mean, I had I yeah. begged my buddy this year. He had just shot or last year. He had just shot a deer, and I said, "Dude, I know you are going to throw those shanks in that grind pile, but I'm begging you not to do it." And he's like, "Man, my uncle's getting mad at me because he says that's stupid. And that's not how we do it." And I'm I'm like, "I know your uncle says that, but I guarantee you, <laughs> like he's never had this dish." Um, shanks. Also, there's a bunch of ways you can cook a shank. Another, uh, I know you asked for one thing, but I'm kind of going off. No, on all this the is great, man. I need good. recipes. People toss so much stuff, man. Like neck roast. Yeah. A lot of people don't think a neck roast is worth it. I tell you what, man. That is one of the m- most flavorful uh, barbecues you ever make. And and when you once you save your first neck roast, you are going to be like, I'm a bad person. Like you, you'll feel bad <laughs> for not having saved it before because it's so big. Um, I shot the biggest deer I've ever shot in my life this this year. He, not the biggest rack, the biggest deer. I don't know what this thing weighed because I couldn't get it on a scale. Mm. Uh, uh, I, literally, I, I, I bought a, a pulley system for my garage after this because normally I can get a deer up on my hooks without a pulley sure. system. Yeah, yeah. Up to 150 pounds. This thing was pushing 200 pounds. It was it was so fat. I don't know Man. what it was eating, dude. Uh, yeah. but, but it was uh, the neck roast on it. What, what like insane size dude and it does take time and it, it again it's like the shank you would look at it and you'd say that's not even edible but it mm. cooks down you, you can you can do it a bunch of different ways um i mean just out of memory you sear it uh and then throw it in a crock pot with you know some uh some venison stock or beef stock and uh you can you can mix it with barbecue sauce once you pull it and uh, it's just mm-hmm. fantastic oh nice. man these are definitely some things that I will be trying next deer season, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that book, Buck Bunk Moose, will change your life. You should read through it before you process a deer, and um, it'll give you ideas for how you want to save your cuts. Yeah, uh, Hank, Hank's point. great at this. Jeremiah Dowdy's blog from fieldtheplate.com um, has a ton of great tips, too. Jeremiah will eat literally anything. He has a recipe for coyote chili. So, wow. Uh, <laughs> he makes bobcat. Um, he, he, he will cook anything. Um, wow. so he, he's my buddy that has the rattlesnake recipe too, but he's got some great ideas on, on things to save. You know, I, I encourage people to save their organ meats. They, they, you, you think, uh, you don't have a palate for that, but a, that's where most of your nutrition in the deer is. Right, um, that's true. And, and, and then if you haven't had heart, uh, heart's delicious too. I, I actually, it was funny. I was at a party back when that was a thing, a uh, dinner party with my wife, <laughs> people were asking about wild game. And, uh, I think I was serving wild game. I think I'd brought some or something. I was serving it cold, like backstrap slicing or something on crackers. Sure. And, uh, and I was saying, they were like, well, what other, like, do you eat the whole deer? And I was like, yeah, I mean, heart, whatever. And my wife's like, you don't eat heart. And I was like, well, you didn't mind it on tacos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Sorry. I'm just throwing off all kinds of random. No, tips that's here. awesome. For, for man. Anybody, it's new. A lot of people don't, uh, uh, something I've been doing and playing with, um, I don't have the ratio dead up, right? But uh, if you take about half of the liver or maybe a third of the liver and mix it with your grind pile, it's a great way to get to get some vitamins into your grind. Huh. Now, if you go too heavy on the liver, you your your grind is going to smell a little off uh, with that liver smell. Sure. But only at, like once you cook it, it's not noticeable. Yeah. Literally, I, I I was worried about this with my wife. I was like, I just ruined twelve pounds of grind, um, <laughs> or whatever it was, because it smelled so strong and it even looked purple. Um, but mm. but actually, I've made uh, Mexican pizzas with it and a couple other things, and she didn't know it, so I think I got away with it. Um, That's but smart. yeah, like t- take taking that and put. It's a great way to use an organ that 
a lot of people don't have the stomach for, um, and I get it. It's a very strong cut or organ, but, um, if, if you're not a liver person, just try it, like do half your grind the normal way you do it and then do half, uh, with liver and maybe, so, so maybe dice that third and half again and, and do it that way and just try it one season. And I promise you, man, like it, it'll, it, it'll, it's a game changer too. And, uh, I've, I've been doing this with, um, even just store-bought like turkeys and ducks and chickens. Mm-hmm. I would save up all that organ meat. Sure. And then I ground that together too. And I've been making, uh, poultry organ burgers. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a great idea. And, and another way of just, I mean, looking at the coin from a different, on the different side, you know, that's, yeah. yeah Cause when you do pull out the liver, you pull out and, I, and I've heard of guys who, I mean, uh, there's a guy who wrote a book, uh, what is it called? Carnival Co- carnivore code, maybe who, uh, talks about nose to tail. He eats, he eats animals yeah. nose to tail. Well, man, in the fifties, we stopped eating all these organ meats and, um, uh, I, I, you can't attribute all this to, but uh, like Americans health went downhill after processed foods came out. And part of it oh, was yeah. also like, Oh, you got to eat lean. You don't eat fats, chicken breast without the skin and all this crazy stuff. And yeah, you know, this is a great way to reintroduce organs without really even noticing it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a great point. Cause when you, when you do look at, you know, the liver or whatever, you're like, man, you're, you're right. You get that thought in your head. This is not this is not uh palatable i actually yeah. uh did my first uh deer uh heart that i cooked the other night and i i don't know how I, this got in my head but i wanted to uh make uh deer heart euros and man was that worth yeah. it my uh yeah how, how do you say the sauce is it tzatziki sauce is that how you say it yeah i think you're asking me i got the same problem i'm from uh iowa and my wife is from uh, new england so you know i I pronounce everything wrong syrup syrup right (laughs) (laughs) but uh but no those are those are great tips you know speaking of liver so here's kind of the the last thing i want to i want to wrap up here with do you have any dream hunts that that you're wanting to do uh at some point and the K- Kentucky connection here with the liver? I have heard it said that Daniel Boone's favorite uh wild game dish was elk liver. Do you now that you guys have a reestablished huntable herd there in Kentucky, are you uh putting in for that much coveted Kentucky elk tag? Yeah, I put in every year. Um, there's four tags you can apply for um, with with the cow and archery and rifle tags, and I've I've yet to be drawn. Probably never be mm. drawn, but that's kind of like I was saying earlier. I don't mind if my forty bucks goes to Fish and Wildlife to sure. yeah. to go to that. Um, would love to. You know, I know some elk hunting guides here. It's it is tough to get on them. Um, you know, the population I've I've seen it's somewhere between ten and twenty thousand that we have, and those. I remember in the nineties when they got reintroduced because they, one of the counties they got reintroduced in was my home County and believe it or not, I've never seen an elk down there. Um, Hmm. my my family sees them all the time. Um, I, I, I've run trail cameras down there for years. I never had one on camera, but, um, they, they tend to, uh, like the, the abandoned strip mines, like the reclaimed strip mines, uh, as, as reclaimed as they call them. Uh, you know, it's not like they're, 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 they're they're planes now, you know, it's, it's, it's Mm -hmm. more open. 
and you'll see them a lot there from from what I've heard from my cousins and who still live down there. Um, but I haven't had that opportunity. The other species that's bounced back since my childhood are black bears, man. The, the, they, uh, um, oh, really? they opened up. Yeah, dude, we got them um, almost bad at this point. I mean, my cousins huh. walk outside and they're sitting on top of their cars and stuff. Wow. Uh, wow. But, but, and, and, and the quotas on the hunts goes up at least every other year on them. We, we have a quota hunt for black bears. So it opens for archery. It's open longer rifle. It's two days. Typically sometimes, I mean, even if it's a week, the quota usually gets filled the fir- first day or two. Um, oh, wow. I've only done it one time. Did not see a bear. I blame my friend mm. mostly for that. Cause he was terrible. <laughs> um, walking with him through the woods is like dragging a mattress through the woods. Um, uh, but, but the, um, the hunt typically fills the quota pretty quick. Uh, I think it's up to 10 bears across all the counties. So the way that works, if, if anybody's unfamiliar with how a quota hunt like that works, you, you have to call in that night and see if it's going to be open the next day. Um, so, so we were camp, we, we just, I was so stupid. We, we decided to camp and we were going to hunt, uh, camp up there that night and hunt the next day. And I had to drive 15 minutes out to get cell service just to find out that the hunt was over um, because the quota was filled. But um, uh, I, I, I want to do that. Like, I feel like I'm leaving a good game opportunity um, right. uh, here in Kentucky because, you know, bear, um, from what I've read, was actually Daniel Boone's favorite food. Um, okay. They, you know, believe it or not, they, they did not like venison. They would shoot deer for the hide and not eat them. Really? Yep. Which it hurts me today. There's a lot about yeah. how they used to hunt back then that hurts. Um, oh, yeah. But but they 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 preferred bear, um, and I had my first black bear recently uh, with some sausage that my uh, buddy John, the fisherman, he is also a hunter. He got a uh, black bear out out in Colorado this year and uh, or last year and brought it back, and I got a piece of that. Now I've got a taste for it, and it was delicious. Mm, so I want I want nice. to get a bear. Um, yeah, I think you were asking like my my overall hunt that I want to do though I've, in Kentucky. Would love to get that elk tag. I really want to get a bear hunt. Um, I have a lot of theoretical knowledge about bear hunting because I've listened to a bunch of podcasts and everything, but sure. that goes out the window when you actually start hunting. Them. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. I, I do want to hunt. Elk is at the top of my list for for the American big game animals. Sure. Um, I'm not like super into you know. I mean, my buddy guides brown bears up in Alaska, like literally 11 foot tall bears, basically Man. that he goes toe to toe with. He has insane stories. Oh um, yeah. Anybody wants to hear some insane stories, go to my podcast, Restless Native. I think it's like episode 45. He told for three hours the stories from one season of hunting. Oh, and, my goodness. Um, he's got insane, like being charged by a bear and shooting at the last second. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's like he, he's he's one of the deadliest people on the planet. Yeah. Uh, but but, but I, I don't really like... I, not that I wouldn't do it. It's just like, that's not really what I think about. Like I would love to do a sheep hunt or, or something like that up there with him. But yeah, elk, man, I really want to do that. And this kind of goes back. People are like, you have an elk hunted? Uh, because I'm like this, you know, I'm this outdoor app founder. They think I hunt everything, but uh, <laughs> that's on my to-do list. So yeah, you and me, you and me both, man. I, I have not yet hunted out West. I've, I've just finally started putting in for some points out there and, uh, wish I'd been doing that for a lot longer, but yeah, there's, there's so many good things to, to go and, and see and do and, and hunt. So I hope sure. you, hope you get it, get a good opportunity to do that. I hope you get to draw that elusive Kentucky elk tag too. Well, real quick yeah. here before we'll be we, putting in. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think I'm going to, I have a, we have a buddy here, a friend of the show, uh, 
Shout out to Mr. Alex Gruen of East to West Hunts, who does hunt planning for people and tag applications and so forth. And that was one of the things I put on my list for him was, you know, I'd kind of be interested in uh, get putting in for one of those Kentucky, those those lottery really uh, yeah it's a lottery there's no points they, right they, they don't do a point system right it's it's just you that's your lucky day if you pull one <laughs> but, they, they do give landowners um under some circumstances tags and i think those are transferable so they can give them out oh, so if really you, if you got the hookup uh, yeah which, oh, which unless you're stupid wealthy you usually don't um <laughs> all right it's, it's like you, you see the people that get those you're like huh okay i see what's going on here <laughs> yeah right right oh man yeah i just really like the guy right <laughs> but uh no i i hope you i hope you're able to to land that at some point but uh Real quick here before uh, we let you go for the night, can you uh, tell people how to find uh, your your different social media pages and, and how to uh, connect with you and, and tell about your podcast real quick here? Yeah, my social media is easy. I don't I do not do um, – I, I deleted my – I have an Instagram account that if you follow me on there, I won't accept it because I don't do anything with it anymore. Uh, I deleted mm-hmm. my app. I deleted my Facebook account entirely. So I am on Go Wild and I'm on LinkedIn. Um the if you download Go Wild, you'll get a DM from me that's automated. But if you respond to it, that's really me. Um, we we do that to just check in with everybody. It's obviously I can't send literally everybody personally at that, so it, it is automated. But I swear it's me if you if you message me back. Uh, so that's a good way to if you got questions or anything, uh, find me there. Um, the the platform you can find on either of the app stores, Google or, or iOS. It's just Go Wild one word. Um, you will also be able to go to the desktop at time to go wild.com to be able to create an account there. If you want to, I'll tell you the website is great, but it's not, um, you know, we, we launched that last year, so it's not quite got all the functionality that the app does. The app's a much more mature product. So, uh, if you got a smartphone, which it's 2021, so I bet you do, I would start (laughs) there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely check it out. And then uh, uh, a couple of Brad's podcasts were mentioned here. Uh, Gearbox Talk, right? That's the uh, is that YouTube yeah, based? On, it's YouTube. Yeah, we do it as a podcast, but uh, that the listening following is much smaller there because it's such a visual show. But it's a cool show where we have honestly it hits a lot of introductory content so your audience will yeah. really eat it up uh, we, we really focus on assuming that people know nothing and and it doesn't mean it's always like really beginner level we'll start there and then throughout the podcast we'll kind of ramp it up a little bit but I interview people about um, everything from their everyday carry to how to hunt wild hogs or whitetail and we, we, we're pretty mm-hmm. seasonal about it so like right now we're recording a lot of turkey content to release we just did a, a squirrel episode because it's squirrel season right now. Um, we, we, we do, I've had some great fishing episodes. I've got stuff on there that new hunters are always trying to figure out like how to pick a broadhead. I sat down for a dude for an hour and we, we discussed all the ins and outs of broadheads, just broadheads. We talked about broadheads for an hour. Um, and this is a, you know, that was with James Nash, who is a legit Western guide out at, um, Oh shoot. Now I'm, I'm kicking myself for not remembering his ranch's name, but he works with like six sour. I mean, he's, he's the real deal. I've had Tim yeah. Kennedy on the show. I've oh, got yeah, some that's big cool, dude, guests there. that are coming on. Um, I mean, they're on, 
your favorite Netflix shows and, and magazines right now that are coming onto that show. So go subscribe to the YouTube channel to see that stuff. It's a fun show. It's, it's, they're, they're 10 minutes to 30 minutes long. It depends, but, um, quick hit stuff. That's yeah, good stuff. And then of course, uh, the podcast has been on for probably just as long as go wild's been going around, right? That's the restless yeah, native coming up on three years. I think, uh, March, um, makes three years that restless native has been around. Restless native is a interesting show. It's, it's, um, stories from people in the outdoor industry mostly mostly and we um we talk about you know their journey to to get into the outdoor industry it has less definition than a gearbox talk it, it kind of meanders sometimes it's hunt stories mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's uh you know more about the industry side of things sometimes it's stuff that's going on in the industry there's a lot of shows with my team so if you want to learn more about go wild you can find the co-founder episodes pretty much uh all, well all the co-founders have been on there i've had team members on there um, it, it's a fun show. Yeah, for sure. Both of them are. Both are good products. I've listened to both, and and very, edu- very very educational for for the gearbox talk. Uh, I I actually was just listening to that squirrel hunting episode, and that that was great. And uh, the restless native, it's it's an entertaining show. It's a good show to to listen to while you while you got to drive or work out or something like that. So definitely tune in there. Brad, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, everyone who's listening in, please make sure you head over to Brandon and his team's page at thehuntfishlife.com. You can also link up with them on their social media platforms, and hopefully they'll be on Go Wild here soon if yeah, they're not already. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, for sure, head over to firstgenhunter.com. You can uh, find the links there to my Go Wild and other social media pages as well and uh, hit us up on YouTube give us a subscribe watch some of the content there I have that content I'm si- from deer season I'm sitting on it I'm sorry people it's been so long since I put up a new video but uh, I, I have I have some of that that's almost ready to go and I also have another article in the pipeline just getting ready for my you know i have to have my my professional editor who is my wife from new england who knows how to talk much better than i do and also write much better than i do (laughs) she'll uh she'll proof that for me and and uh, that'll be up there for you as well please also uh if you haven't yet make sure you leave a review for the podcast that's helpful to us and and uh, we really appreciate your participation in that way and As always, be sure as the hunting season winds down, get to these last few days, be sure to take care and take someone hunting.